You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. What is up, Bills Mafia? It is Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot with you. Uh, this is the Shout Buffalo Football Podcast brought to you by Tops Friendly Markets, your neighborhood store with more. Whether you're celebrating at home or away this weekend, I know that's a tough one to, to hear right now. Tops has all your fan favorites ready to enjoy for football, entertaining, or any occasion. Ryan Talbot, I'm sitting here inside Arrowhead Stadium, and it, it's it's a crazy uh, game that we cover and that Bills fans and NFL fans watch. I think that you could probably say this was one of the greatest playoff games that was ever played. But if you're a Bills fan in the stadium, if you're a Bills fan watching at home, you leave with just unbelievable heartbreak after the Kansas City Chiefs win 42-36. to The Bills had orchestrated two touchdown drives in the final two minutes of the game. Josh Allen leads a 17 play 75 yard drive that goes seven minutes and one second to score a touchdown, uh, puts the bills up uh, with under two minutes to play in the game. The Kansas city chiefs come back in with, in one minute and two seconds of their own with a five play 75 yard touchdown drive that ends in a Tyreek Hill touchdown. And then Josh Allen responds, from that, with 49-second, six-play, 75-yard touchdown drive, finishes again with Gabriel Davis, four touchdowns for the second-year wide receiver. And then just the baffling, sickening 13 seconds that will be playing in Bills fans' mind you know, over the course of the next eight months. Uh, the Bills kick it into the end zone, 13 seconds, 44 yards in 10 plays. Patrick Mahomes gets... Sets up a Harrison Butker game tying 40. I think it was 49 yard field goal. I have to go back and actually 48, look at that. 40, I think it was 48, 48 yard field goal. Yeah. And it goes to overtime. And then what do you know? Uh, Patrick Mahomes does it again. I think everybody in the stadium, I wrote that in the story that I just posted, knew that that was probably coming against a defense that gave up over 500 yards of total offense. But I guess let's start with. That last 13 seconds, because I think that's what's been talked about the most uh, in, in the hour now since the game ended. 
what are your thoughts and impressions of how that was handled and how that how that played out? Oh, well, I think it was handled pretty poorly in retrospect. You you look back and you look at some of the things that they could have done. You know, I see a lot of fans in the commentary saying, you know, squib. Why was why wasn't there a squib kick? And and listen, even if if the Chiefs were savvy and they they pick up the ball, they take a knee. You're maybe taking one or two seconds off the clock in that scenario. That's still better than taking no seconds off at all. Uh, you give up the big gainer to Tyreek Hill on the first down play. Second down, you're playing, you know, you're rushing four on a play where you know that they have to get the ball out quickly. That can, you can go back and look at that and, and kind of say, what are you thinking there? Uh, so a, a lot of question, questionable decisions. I did like in the presser when Sean McDermott was asked, you know, why not just intentionally hold those players, take the five yard penalty, uh, because then it chews some time off the clock. Instead, the Bills just allowed them, the, the Chiefs and Mahomes, to pick up these huge chunks of yards to set up the 48 yard field goal that sent it to overtime. And listen, I get it. Butker wasn't great tonight. Uh, he he missed some kicks that he normally makes, but you can't when you take the lead with 13 seconds to go. Uh, give the opposing team that kind of chunk plays. I get they had three timeouts. I, I know that uh, that's still an turn in the NFL when you have that, but the, you know this coaching staff is going to be under fire, uh, and rightfully so for some of the decisions that they made on Sunday night. First of all, listen, you have to find a way in those last 13 seconds. I don't care if it's Patrick Mahomes or you know you know Zeus uh, at, at quarterback coming down. Uh, orchestrating that drive, you have to find a way to make stops defensively on that drive. They're, they're, that's the one piece of it. So if you want to take the kick out of it and how the Bills set that up, but it just comes back to you know giving yourself every opportunity to win a game. And I feel like over the course of this game, coming in, you know, if you're Sean McDermott, what you have to do to kind of exercise some of the demons of the uh, uh, ghosts of, uh, of games past opportunities lost. And I feel like in this game, they come out on the first drive, they go for it on fourth down twice and they're re- rewarded by their franchise quarterback with a touchdown drive. And you start to get the sense that there's going to be this determination. There's going to be this urgency. And then over the course of the game, some baffling things happen. Tyra Matthew is out of the game, Ryan Talbot, on the, in the very first quarter. And it almost feels like the Bills go into this kind of shell offensively. You know, they ended up having, after that first touchdown drive, let me bring it up here. They had the touchdown drive. They went punt, punt, touchdown, punt. Okay? That's all after Tyron Matthew goes out of the game. Their next four drives, they end up settling for, for punts. You, you kind of set the tone in the third quarter with that punt uh, three and out mm-hmm. where they throw a pass to Reggie Gilliam on the first play. Then they run two in a row. And I tweeted it like I felt like they were coaching not to make a mistake. And, and that lays on Sean McDermott and, and Brian Dable, but ultimately on Sean McDermott to get his offense to come out and, and play with the playmakers that we had. We talked about this. And we were blue in the face all week long about all the different ways they had to beat this Kansas City Chiefs team with all the weapons that they had on offense and they were they, you found yourself in this situation where you weren't using any of them until your backs were up against the wall and I almost feel in those situations you're almost you're playing with fire against Patrick Mahomes who in the end of the day if you're going touchdown for touchdown and we saw it even in the most extreme circumstances he found a way to force overtime and get the ball in overtime drive down score a touchdown you have to come in with your perfect game coaching wise 
to beat this team. That's what I think we've learned. You know, Sean McDermott says they're just a team that makes makes plays. Of course they are. You have to be perfect. You have to know what you're going to do. You have to know what plan B, plan C, plan D is on everything that happens in the game. And, you know, I guess on the flip side of it, the good news, I guess, if you're a Bills fan, listen, the build of this Bills franchise to this point has been spectacular. The job that Sean McDermott has done to get this point to this point has been spectacular. Don't forget the 17 year playoff drought. And this has not happened before. And you have your quarterback. The performance of Josh Allen tonight, Josh Ryan was legendary. And listen, you're going to go away from this game and you're probably not going to really be able to put it in its proper place. I know Bills fans are going to, you know, really appreciate that performance. I'm not saying that, but you really won't really probably put it in its proper place for months because you're going to deal with the heartbreak of all of this. But I don't know where I'm going with this. It's, <laughs> it's a lot right now to kind of digest and try to figure out where to go from here. There's a lot of good things to even in a, in a game like this to take out of it with the way that the bills, even when they didn't have their best stuff in the middle part of that game, they found a way to get the offense going and they were there blow for blow in the fourth quarter. Josh Allen was was dealing. And in the end, it just wasn't enough. No, absolutely. And, and listen, the, the coaching staff, both sides of the ball, have some some answers to, uh, the, the, I guess, some questions they have to answer in these next few days. And, and I know that sounds funny saying that with the way the offense played, but you mentioned it. First half, Brian Dable, three straight runs to Devin Singletary. Uh, when Tyron Matthew is out of the game, when when Josh Allen's running the ball effectively, when he's throwing the ball effectively, obviously, over the course of this game, and you go three and out there, uh, it seemed like a promising start to the game where the Bills went for it on fourth down twice on that opening drive, converted both times, ended up with a touchdown on the second fourth down play to Singletary. But then when you go three and out on a drive like that, and then in the third quarter after the Chiefs put up a – eight minute drive that ends in points. The bills go three and out again, where it's a, it's a fourth and one and you decide let's, let's punt it with Matt Hawk instead of, of going for it. Those are the plays where you need to be aggressive. You need to show that uh, aggressiveness that you showed one week ago against the Patriots, where you didn't take the foot off the gas pedal. You put the, your foot on the other team's throat. Now you can't put your foot on, on the throat of the chiefs when they're, they're scoring left and right too. But you have to go blow for blow with them for four quarters. They fall behind nine points. Josh Allen's able to bring them back into this game. 75-yard bomb to uh, Gabriel Davis, one of his four scores on the game. What an unbelievable performance by Allen and Gabriel Davis. But Dable had those letdowns. Leslie Frazier in that defense had multiple letdowns. And we we talked about this. Uh, without Tredavious White, it was a tall task for those cornerbacks. We we both just pro- thought that they could get enough stops in the red zone, which didn't happen uh, tonight for them to kind of hold them to those field goal attempts. But when all is said and done, this is another year that you've wasted in the Super Bowl window. And, and I get it with Josh Allen, with some of these playmakers. They're going to be contending for the foreseeable future. But the AFC was wide open this year. Uh, Joe Burrow's not going anywhere anytime soon. You could have played him, though, this upcoming weekend. You have, obviously, Patrick Mahomes, who's here to stay for the long term. You have Justin Herbert, Lamar Jackson. Uh, The list goes on and on. The AFC is loaded compared to the NFC. And and now the Bills, you know, this is just another year where you can say, well, listen, Josh Allen proved he's as good as Patrick Mahomes. There's no denying that anymore. So in, in that regard, maybe this season was a success. 
but they failed to get as far as they did one year ago and they failed to get to the Super Bowl, which I think obviously was the goal that all fans had in mind after last year's performance. Don't get this wrong. This is a, a huge blow to the whole thing, right? Like you get to this game, you experience this last year, you're supposed to kind of grow from that. And this is your next opportunity. And you come into this game, you know, offensively, you play a little bit better, but you know, the defense was supposed to be built for this team, this specific team. So there's layers to it, of course, but I guess like, more so than anything, you know, we're sitting here after two playoff games and, you know, now what do we got? Three, two, th- six playoff games in the Sean McDermott era, you know, and, you know, two, three and three. He's sitting here, hasn't won a road playoff game yet. That's that's very true. But I think that in a lot of different ways, you you, you did see McDermott grow a little bit this year. I thought in certain moments there was there were still certain moments where I felt like he kind of reverted to that conservative nature. I thought there's some conservativeness in this game itself, but the bottom line to your point is there was an opportunity this game to win it and host the AFC championship game, an opportunity that doesn't come along very often. And, you know, Super Bowl windows, they open and close in this league so much because of how much parity there is in the league. And, you know, you look at that, that Cincinnati Bengals team and how ravaged their offensive line is and how beat up Joe Burrow was in that game, even though they got the W and you think you just secure this thing in that final 13 minutes. And there's, there's where you sit next week with everything still in front of you, a chance to go to the Super Bowl, a crazy year. Listen, the Rams look really good today, uh, but who knows what happens if you get to that game and you're right. You you don't know what this is going to look like next year. Do they move on from Cole Beasley? What is the plan to finally land on an answer for this defensive line, Ryan, because that's another thing to take away from this game. Listen, the the Bills have invested a lot in the defensive line here uh, early in, well, the last two drafts. You know, you you go to A.J. Epineza's second-round pick that uh, two years ago. They they get Boogie Basham in the second round this this past year, obviously Greg Rousseau in the first round. And those guys just weren't ready yet to be impact players. And you see that in the NFL. You see defensive linemen and players it takes a few years for it to click and I think the Bills are putting too much on those young guys or expectations at least if if they thought that this year was going to be the year that those guys stepped up and made plays you know I watched that Green Bay game on Saturday and Rashawn Gary had a big game for for Green Bay and their loss and before that he had been kind of a uh, a non-factor for that defense flown under the radar was kind of trending toward disappointing so they they just needed those veterans to step up when when those guys could and we didn't see that tonight we saw Jerry Hughes whiff on a few attempts and, and misses we saw Mario Addison have a pretty bad game FA Obata was a non-factor uh the list went on and on and on the, you know I get the intention that Brandon Bean had when he when he made those selections at the defensive end position but it clearly wasn't enough the Bills did get some pressure at times but the pump fakes, the, the, whatever the case may be, the, those hesitations uh, that they made allowed Mahomes to escape and, and make plays with his legs where he was phenomenal tonight. I did see one or two people in the, in the comments saying Allen didn't prove that he's as good as Mahomes, and I completely disagree with that. Allen didn't have a chance to get the ball in overtime. Uh, he put up two touchdowns late in the game. He had nine touchdowns in two playoff games this year. 37 to 47, you, you know, unbelievable or 27 to 37, I should say, unbelievable performance tonight. 
uh, he did show he can go toe to toe. It's not his fault that the defense, you know, let him down or let the team down tonight. He did more than enough to win this game. But the defensive line, they're not there yet, Matt, and, and that's concerning. You know that Jerry Hughes, you know that Mario Addison could both be leaving at the end of the season. There's a lot of guys on both sides of the ball that could be leaving at the end of the season. So what do the Bills do? I, I still think they have to go out. And they need to bring in a veteran, a proven veteran that can be a difference maker, uh, even if that means they have to get a l- little bit creative with the cap. Because if you can get someone in here that can hover around that double-digit sack total, it can make a world of difference for this defense and this team. One of the people that has to take a little bit of the heat here is Eric Washington. And his maybe his a bit of a failure to develop some of these guys. I mean, AJ Epinesa is the guy that really stands out the most to me. You spent a second round draft pick on him. And I thought when he was out there tonight, he looked lost. And one of the things that he really gets talked up about is his get off, right? He was able to get off the line really quick, which he did a couple of times. I noticed it tonight, actually. And what did he do? He blew right by Mahomes, broke contain. Mahomes got scooted off to the side. The way this game started, it's almost like they never watched Patrick Mahomes play football. And everything that they did in terms of a rush plan, and that starts with Eric Washington. I mean, that's what Leslie Frazier talks about every time we get a chance to talk to him is like he wants to credit Eric Washington for, you know, the work that he does, you know, putting together a rush plan, the work they do together to kind of, you know, formulate that plan. You know, A.J. Epinesa, outside of one absolutely splashy game against arguably one of the worst offensive lines in the league, he's been invisible in year two. And that's unacceptable for a second round draft pick. I mean, he's looking like Cody Ford 2.0 at this point. And listen, we've all, we've covered heavily the Cody Ford saga. And I, and I, and I think that the bills are a little bit more culpable in that than anything else. And, you know, Epinesa, you know, again, is one of those guys like for as good as the build has been. And listen, I'll stick by that. I think Brandon Bean, you know, I think people in the moment right now are angry about what happened and and a little bit short-sighted to start questioning the overarching, you know, uh, build that has happened here. You know, a lot of the things that they've done, the most important thing that they've done in Josh Allen have been right. I mean, you saw the play tonight. I thought Taron Johnson, I I didn't see a lot of stuff that Tyreek Hill was doing today when it came, when he lined up against Taron Johnson. I almost felt like they were, they were running Tyreek Hill away from Taron Johnson. Throughout the game, they wanted to get him on Levi Wallace. They wanted to get him on Dane Jackson. I thought he was great tonight. Dawson Knox had the one drop. Uh, I thought Singletary had a good first drive and then he kind of disappeared. But I thought the offensive line pretty much held up pretty well in pass protection. I know Josh Allen was sacked twice, but you know, they were asking them to do a lot. And I, I thought they held up. They did a pretty good job. Oh, they were fantastic, in my opinion. And, and of the two sacks, I, I don't recall the first one in terms of how long Allen had with, in, with the play. But the second one was, I thought, on Josh Allen. And kudos to Kansas City's coverage. He had a lot of time on that play to throw the ball. Uh, and he just never did before he ended up taking that second sack. So at least one of them, I thought, was either a coverage sack or something that was more on Josh for holding it too long. The offensive line, again, was great. Now, does that mean that they shouldn't address it early in the draft? No, they absolutely should. You you always want to have that next guy waiting in the wings, someone that could step up, compete for a starting role if possible. Uh, But they did land on something with Ryan Bates at left guard. Deion Dawkins played at a high level. You still have Mitch Morris playing really good football. Darrell Williams was up and down at times this season, but he ended on a high note. And then Spencer Brown, uh, you know, of this rookie class, I think he is by far the most promising rookie that we saw out there this year. And there's a lot to be happy about in that regard in terms of of your bookends, your your left tackle, your right tackle. 
Uh, so now it's just, you know, figuring out, do you have those three guys on the interior going forward that you, you can see here long term? Uh, Mitch Morris is not that old, but he has a concussion history. Ryan Bates, it was a, sh- a small sample size, but he's he thrived in that small sample size. And like I said, Williams, you know, maybe with that contract, you, you look to replace him with someone else in, in the draft sooner rather than later. But I, I thought they had a really nice game tonight. You know, we'll probably, you know, take a week or two, you know, start, you know, putting out some articles on, you know, what, what, what are the next moves here? What, how, what are the things the Bills have to do to rebuild this roster? What are some, some, some people that maybe they need to move on from players, coaches, maybe some of the players, uh, in, in the draft free agency, maybe even be a trade that they should start to look at. We're going to hit all of that all off season long. This podcast is going to be rolling throughout the, the off season. So you're going to want to make sure you're subscribed from hot to go pizza and appetizers, signature fried chicken, baby back ribs and subs to delicious salads and brownie trays. Tops has everything you need to feed the hungriest fan. Let's go to Josh Allen here for a moment. Um, we've talked about him a little bit here, but I, I really strongly believe that we need a, a really dedicated segment to really mm-hmm. go through what he accomplished and did in this game. I mean, you're talking about a seven, a seven minute drive. You know, as it was happening, I was, I was sitting next to Sal Marana from Rochester DNC and I was kind of sitting here saying like, you know, they have two choices here. They got to either put the, the pedal to the metal and go as fast as they could and try to score a touchdown, give the ball back to Mahomes, then get the ball back for yourself with a chance to win uh, on, a, on a score in the final. Or you got eight minutes left on the clock. You just drain or whatever it ended up being when they got the ball. You just drain as much of it off the clock as you did. And before long, you kind of could tell that they were kind of plotting their way down the field. And, you know, I was like, man, I, I don't hate this idea. I, I kind of think that you can kind of get down in the red zone, maybe get it under two minutes uh, left to go you know, pick your shot and then go after. And then he, you know, when you get that close, you're just going to have to make a play. And Gabriel Davis absolutely undressed this quarterback. If you've not gone back and watched this replay, go back and watch Gabriel Davis absolutely break. I think it might've been Mike Hughes's ankles. It was just filthiness. And Josh Allen just threw a dart. Everything Josh Allen did today as a passer was everything everybody talked about three years ago that he couldn't do. I mean, that long ball, that deep pass to Gabriel Davis to really break things open for the Bills offense in the the third quarter. That's that's a that's a throw that he was, you know, missing by five or 10 yards, sometimes even last season. And and so this was an absolutely on the heels of what was a perfect performance last week, Ryan, the, the two game sample size of Josh Allen in the 2021 playoffs. It was as close to perfection at the quarterback position as you can get. Yeah, listen, he he answered every question you could possibly uh, ask for him or what you wanted to see from him in terms of growth as a player. Uh, He had a great 2020 season. There's no denying that with the Bills going 13-3, and that the Bills getting all the AFC Championship game. But in the playoffs, he he really faced some adversity. He really had his struggles against the Colts and the Ravens and obviously the Chiefs. He thrived this year against the Patriots and, and against the Chiefs. Like I said, nine touchdowns in two games. Uh, unbelievable, unbelievably accurate in, in both matchups. You know, I think he had one bad throw in this game. It was kind of like a lofted ball that, that he kind of threw in the, I believe the direction of Dawson Knox in, in, in the game. And he kind of patted his chest on that one saying my bad, but everything else was on, on a line was, it was a dime that 75 yard touchdown to Gabriel Davis. Uh, we've seen him, you know, misfire some of those deep balls in the, in the 
not too long ago, even this season, he, he overshot some of his receivers. His long ball was on the money the last two weeks. So he did everything you could ever ask for in your franchise quarterback. And and that's, I guess, what makes this loss hurt even more is he answered every bell. He did everything you could ever want. Uh, it's hard to look back and say no, you know, no turnovers, nine touchdowns, two touchdowns late in the game with about under two minutes to go. And you still don't go, you know, leave that game with a win. Uh, it's unfortunate, like we've said. And now you just kind of sit there and you say, okay, can they be as good next year? Because Brian Dable's probably leaving for a head coaching job. Is one of those coaches, Ken Dorsey, ready? You know, he's most likely the the heir apparent there. Is he ready to go? Chad Hall's a guy you need to keep an eye on too because he's been phenomenal. Could he get a coaching offer from Dable for his staff? Maybe. Um, but it goes beyond the coaching. Two players are going to go on both sides of this ball. That's just the nature of the NFL. Can the Bills reload? Because with Allen, he's going to keep them competitive year in, year out. But competitive doesn't cut it at a certain point. You need to see him get this team to the Super Bowl, and he needs that help on both sides, especially on defense, as we've seen the last two years when they've gone against a team like the Chiefs. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast, hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. I want to get back to the defense for a little bit because – I guess it's like, I mean, we could play the blame game here. Like, you know, who, who deserves the bulk of it? I mean, I think it's got to fall on Leslie Frazier in a game like today that, you know, when things have gone good. And I remember, I think it was after the Jets game when we were talking about the the performance of the defense throughout the season, finishing as the number one overall defense, pass defense, all that stuff. Sean McDermott was quick to place the, the credit on Leslie Frazier's plate. He, it's his defense. And I think you got to place the blame on him when it doesn't go well. All season long, we talked about eliminating the explosive plays. And I think that today it was, it was twofold. I, I thought at times, Ryan, to, to the defense's credit, I thought the back seven did a really good job at times. Coverage was phenomenal. Like Patrick Mahomes was sitting back there and they were making him wait in the pocket, wait in the pocket. I, mostly in the second and third quarter, I felt like he was really pressing to try to find any type of big play. Over time, the dam broke, and then the big plays started to come in. You saw Tyreek Hill with a couple. It happened on special teams. Then, obviously, Travis Kelsey with the touchdown um, where he just got back by Matt Milano and a guy that's usually steady in coverage just couldn't hold up. But, you know, I think you got to start with Leslie Frazier. Wasn't really able to adjust to the fact that just – from the onslaught of offense that Kansas City was having in this game, the success they were having. I mean, look at their look at the scoring drives, Ryan. Touchdown, punt, touchdown, miss field goal, field goal, touchdown, punt, field goal, touchdown, field goal, touchdown. The last four times Patrick Mahomes touched the ball, they got points. You're not going to win games like that. Even we, it's proven. Even when a guy like Josh Allen goes out there and does his Hercules things, throws for four touchdowns, 300 yards is almost perfect. It doesn't even matter because the defense couldn't stop anybody. Yeah, listen, you know, most of the blame, I think, has to go to Leslie Frazier, Sean McDermott, some of the decisions late in the game. But Frazier over four quarters, that defense could not stop Mahomes. They could not do enough third down scenarios. They'd get them into plenty of third down scenarios, but Mahomes always had an answer. I I feel a little bit for Leslie Frazier in in regards to the fact that this defense, or or I should say that Kansas City offense, is so tough to contain when you don't have a number one cornerback and uh, with Trey White obviously not out there tonight after being lost for the season against New Orleans, 
Uh, you, you knew the Bills are going to have to play an offense like this sooner rather than later. And, they, they you know, they played Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay's receiving uh, core corpse isn't the same. Mike Evans is really good, but he's not a burner like Hill. Uh, they had Godwin at that point. He's very good, but he's not the same thing. And in, even in that game, when Antonio Brown was on the team, he was out for that matchup. So they, they didn't see a, a collection of receivers like this and tight ends like this when you have Kelsey and you have Hill and you have Pringle and, and Hardman, who made an unbelievable play on, on uh, for a score on a play where I thought the Bills should have had him near the sidelines, kind of dead to rights, but Frazier and that defense did not execute when it mattered most. Um, so I, I do say that it gets pinned on him, but also maybe some of the decision makers. Why didn't the Bills try to go out there and address that position, bring in some veteran depth? I know that in late November, you're not going to find a number one cornerback uh, on the free agent market, but you, you know, you, you were playing a dangerous game saying, listen, we think Levi Wallace, Dane Jackson, a lot of these young players can step up and be those guys in, in big game situations. And, and tonight it really hurt them when all is said and done. Yeah. And, you know, unfortunately for Levi Wallace, he stepped up in a, into a pretty big shoes. I mean, Tredavious White is, you know, you don't just get the acclaim and, and reputation that Tredavious White had by accident. I mean, he's a guy that's delivered in big moments you know, throughout his Bills career and, you know, most of his career, we've talked about, you know, shutting down one side of the field. And that was never going to be the case with Levi Wallace. I, you know, Tim Graham had a great story with him where, you know, you've got to be confident in this league. you got to believe you're the best. And he said, I believe I'm the best off corner in the, in the league. And he, let's be honest, he's not. But you have to think that, right? And I think that at times he's played really, really well this year. But, you know, every player's got a ceiling. I think the floor of Levi Wallace and I think Marcel Louis Jacques from ESPN, he's always said this. Uh, he does. He, he, he was always running the money with this is that Levi Wallace's floor is higher than anybody ever wants to admit, but his ceiling just it's, it's, it's about in that range where his floor is. And it, it's true. You see it in a game like this, you know, that the one play where, you know, he backs off and gets off the line uh, with the 13 seconds to go and Travis Kelsey, you know, explodes off the line, gets open, gets the ball, and he drags him downfield for a couple yards. It sets up the field goal. Those are the kind of plays that you got to react quicker. You, you, you got to be that off ball corner, realize when you got to make a break on the ball, make a break on the player and make a tackle. And that's one of the things that we were putting him over about. And in that moment when they needed it the most, the season is on the line. He just didn't get it done in that spot. And it's, Listen, you can't blame one guy, one play for the game. You know, there's so many things that go into it at the highest level of football. Remember that too. The cliches get so old, Ryan, like, right. But the the one thing that I think comes out of the Bills locker room pretty regularly that I think is on the money is like both teams get paid. Both teams have elite players. And in the moments that matter, the Chiefs elite players, for the most part, as a collective, outplayed the Bills elite players. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, not just one specific player, but Matt, how many missed tackles do you think there were tonight for the Bills? Oh, man, gosh. I mean, I don't know if we'll get to 17 like the New England game, but it might be close, Ryan. I think so, too. I, there, there were plays where two or three defenders missed a tackle on Tyreek Hill or or on Hardman or on Kelsey and bounced off of them. Or, you know, the, the receivers would pull off a little spin move and get those additional yards. That's the other thing, too. You need to be sure tacklers against the Chiefs. 
when they catch the ball, because they're going to catch a lot of balls with Patrick Mahomes as your quarterback. You need to tackle them immediately and bring them down. But instead, tonight, you are seeing five extra yards, six extra yards, eight, ten extra yards on plays where they they broke that initial tackle and they were able to move the chains and keep drives alive. And that is not winning football. So obviously, you know, we're beating up on this defense and rightfully so. They allowed 42 points in this loss. But it's not what we've seen out of this unit at times this year. They they were tackling very well for a period of time. They were playing at a high level, and I, and I get it. The competition isn't the same as what we they played against tonight in Kansas City. Uh, but this was just a, a failure across the board in all three phases for this defense. One person on the defense I did want to highlight that I thought was really good tonight, and I thought was the one bright spot on that defensive line, and Oliver continues to play outstanding football. He was the one guy that I felt, you know, I thought Harrison Phillips had some moments in in run support as well that I noticed him, but really I thought it was another strong game for Ed Oliver. And, you know, for him, they really got it. Brandon Bean's next big job is to put somebody on that defensive line that is in the same ballpark in terms of talent. I mean, you look at like down in Tennessee and I know things didn't go well for them, but you look at how good their defensive line was, was right. You know, they got Harold Landry there. They had, did they draft Harold Landry? I want to say no, but they went out and signed uh, Danico Autry, which Mm -hmm. he's been an absolute monster for them. They did draft um, Harold Landry. So, you know, maybe that's Greg Rousseau in a couple of years. We'll see. Listen, the Greg Rousseau boogie Basham approach it's really hard, and I know it's hard not to do this right now. Like it's easy to sit here in the in the anger of that if you're a Bills fan and say, "Why did they draft Greg Rousseau? Why did they draft Boogie Basham? Why didn't they go a different direction? Why didn't they sign a guy this and that?" I mean, Brandon V was trying to do both. He was trying to sign JJ Watt. It didn't work out. Not that JJ Watt would have been the the right answer necessarily, but he was trying to do it. I think it's got to. It's in this league a lot of times, Ryan. It's about circumstance opportunity and sometimes just a little bit of luck when you're trying to get the right piece to add to the puzzle you can draft guys and you could try to develop them so far the jury's out on a bunch of them but priority number one more than anything this offseason you have to go out and try to find an impact pass rusher wherever that is on the line whether that's an interior player exterior player i don't want to hear that you have Ed oliver or you have harrison phillips you have starla tule whatever or Greg Rousseau and Buggy Basham and AJ Epinesa, it doesn't matter. You have to go out and get a legit, you know, I don't want to say blue chipper, but a guy that's going to come in here and be a consistent playmaker on that defensive line because not enough guys made plays today on the line, Ryan. Again, against the Chiefs in a winner-go-home situation in the playoffs. Yeah, that, that's a great point. I mean, I'm glad you brought up J.J. Watt. I think that the Watt decision, a lot of that came down to Maybe he didn't know if the Bills were going to be able to get back to where they were the, the previous season after making the championship game. And and I don't know why he would have chosen the Cardinals over them other than the weather and everything else. But I think some of these defensive ends that are maybe in their prime, getting close to the end of their prime, they're going to say, OK, the Bills are legit. They've they're going to kind of be in charge of the AFCs for the foreseeable future. They're a threat to make the Super Bowl. And I think there are going to be some players this year that might say, I'll take a little bit less to come to Buffalo to be a difference maker, to put them over the top, where maybe Watt was a little hesitant in that regard. And he was paid big money by by the Cardinals. And that's another factor in that as well. Uh, I think when you see a team have sustained success, and the Bills had some success 
in terms of making the playoffs, but last year was their first time that they made it that deep. This year, they had an impressive statement uh, against New England. They played really well tonight on the offense side of the ball. I think there's going to be some more players willing to join this team, but you're right. Someone needs to be brought in. And if you strike out in free agency, is it worth uh, trading away one of your draft picks uh, for a defensive end, a veteran that maybe uh, is looking to get out of town? Yeah, 100% because you're looking at a late first round pick. We know how hard it is to hit on those. You know, when you're a good team like this, you can't necessarily depend on rookies to come in and make impacts that when they're drafted that late. It's just how it works in, in the NFL. You have to be good drafters. You have to hope you get it right. But if you can trade that asset away for a proven entity, especially when you're trying to win a Super Bowl in the next five years, you do what it takes. We've seen the Rams, not necessarily, well, they have sent a lot of draft picks. We've seen the Rams go all out the last few years to try to win a Super Bowl. And it hasn't panned out just yet uh, under Sean McVay, but it's looking promising after the, you know, the, they hold off the Buccaneers after almost collapsing. They, they made plays in the past for Jalen Ramsey. They make a move for Von Miller. Uh, they make a big move, obviously, in the offseason for Stafford. They sign Odell Beckham Jr. They are a team that was swinging for the fences these last few years, but especially this year. And that's what the Bills need to do. I, I get you don't want to be reckless about it, Matt, but they have to try to get those one or two extra pieces in some way, shape, or form this offseason or even in season if necessary. I know it's a uh, disappointing night for Bills Mafia, but I wanted a, a little bright note here. I said it the, earlier in the show, but for those that are, have just joined in, we're appreciative of you guys, man. I mean, it's, mm. You know, we wanted to say thank you. And if you're in here, hit that like button, subscribe as well. Uh, we're going to have so much content for you guys over the off season as, you know, we begin the eight month climb back uh, to the season next year. And, you know, the one exciting thing, Ryan, too, is as, as disheart, I, I guess the bright, the bright spot in all of this, if, if you, if you want to try to find one, and, and there's probably a lot of fans that don't want to try to find a bright spot right now, especially tonight, but it's clear now what the bills need to focus on. And I go back a cut. Like, I think it was, I don't know if it was the jets game or maybe it was walking into the Patriots game. Harrison Phillips was wearing a number one defense in the NFL hoodie. And I saw the picture of that and the Bills shared it out on their channel. And I said, listen, Harrison Phillips is a great guy. Harrison Phillips is the, the work that he does in the community. You know, I've spoken to him a million times. He's great. I'm not trying to throw him under the bus, but you know, you, you start to wonder if, if this defense didn't feel like they reached an accomplishment in the season, you know, they're the number one overall defense after a tough year, the year before where they weren't as good as they had been and been the identity of the team. They recaptured that mojo Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde, all pros. And it's almost like it's, it's a weight off your shoulder, right? And maybe that weight was the chip that was on their shoulder and without the chip, you know, it, there's a reason Sean McDermott chases every little thing to put a chip on these guys' shoulder. It's just true. And they maybe they came in here and they already played all the chips. And they weren't as hungry. I don't want to say as hungry. They're always hungry. But they weren't as feeling disrespected or didn't, didn't have that chip on their shoulder. And I'm trying to find answers for why this defense played the way that it is. It can't just be they just weren't as good as maybe we all thought, or could it be? 
Well, yes and no. I don't want I don't want to take anything away from their accomplishments this year because they were good. They were legit. They they finished first in many categories and, and they can't control who they played. But some a case could be made for the schedule, the competition, some of the quarterbacks that they faced. And, and I agree with that to a certain extent. They didn't play uh, a lot of games against quarterbacks, the caliber of Patrick Mahomes. They had a, they obviously had Mahomes in season, won that game. They had Brady. They had some. Uh, you know, a few really good quarterbacks, but then they also had uh, Trevor Lawrence. They they had Zach Wilson, Mike White. To uh, uh, the list kind of goes on and on and on. And there were more average to below average quarterbacks, in my opinion, on the schedule than there were good to great to elite. And maybe that did hurt the Bills at the end of the season a little bit here in this matchup because they they hadn't faced a test like this. In some time, I, I mentioned Brady being a, a different kind of quarterback, obviously, than Mahomes. Brady can pick you apart, and, he, and he's lethal, but he doesn't. He can't escape with his legs like Mahomes or extend plays. Um, he's not going to make those wow-type throws like Mahomes can with the underhands, this, that, and the other. Uh, he made some wow throws tonight where he eluded pressure and just found a guy at the right time, the perfect time. You know, I think that they deserve credit for where they finished. You can't take that away from them. But at the same time, maybe they weren't as good as those rankings indicate because of who they played, which, again, you can't control that. You don't make the schedule. Gabriel Davis's game tonight, I think, deserves a few minutes. What an absolute stud-like performance. Uh, the Bills had 422 total offensive yards in this game. Gabriel Davis Davis almost had half of them at 201 receiving yards, four touchdowns, an NFL playoff record. No receiver has ever had four touchdown catches in a single single game. This was really a, a, a good performance. And I think it now eliminates the need to go out and get like a splash receiver in free agency. And like I mentioned, I, I think that you roll this offense back the way that it is. Emmanuel Sanders probably rides off into the sunset. You figure out what you're going to do with Cole Beasley. You know, you can either bring him back or not. And you can kind of slow play that because you're going to have to see what happens with Isaiah McKenzie. I put out a story today and I really appreciate you guys. If you, if, if you're, if you want a, a more positive kind of light, go check on maybe it won't be depending on how you look at this. And we could get into this as well, but like Isaiah McKenzie, he's got a really close relationship with Brian Dable and Brian Dable is probably going to get hired as a head coach, uh, probably in the next 48 to 72 hours, I'd guess. I mean, he's already interviewed with the giants. Uh, I think if you're the giants and John Mara and you're looking at this game and, and Josh Allen's performance over the last two weeks, you're probably more inclined to go with Brian Dable than you are Leslie Frazier. So if he gets that job, you know, you start to wonder about the potential pieces that he wants to bring along with him, coaching pieces, and player pieces. And one of the guys that he has a really close relationship with is Isaiah McKenzie. And I think you throw, you know, a three year deal at a guy like that at maybe 6 million a, a year, because you know, you what he can do in your offense already. And maybe you even wanted a bigger role for him in your offense now. And, you know, we've seen the dynamics with Sean McDermott and the pulling it back and the giving it again. And, you know, Brian Dable had a very interesting quote about Isaiah McKenzie when he was talking about him after the Patriots game, where he basically said, I have full trust in, in Isaiah McKenzie. Uh, and he basically, I'm paraphrasing here. I don't have the exact quote. Uh, maybe I'll bring it up and tweet it, but he basically was talking about the fact that he doesn't have 
you know, he doesn't make decisions about, you know, who plays kick returner, punt returner and something like that. It just, it had a vibe. It had a feel to me. Like maybe there's more out there for Isaiah McKenzie. If it was Brian Dable's world and it will be Brian Dable's world at his next stop. And then you wonder if a guy like McKenzie works. So if McKenzie ends up moving on long rounding back to my point, then maybe you have to think about bringing back Cole Beasley next year. If Mike, if McKenzie's not uh, on the team. Brendan Bean said it best. You never want to lose your fastball. So I, I don't think that will completely ignore the position. But Gabriel Davis tonight showed that he's more than capable of stepping up, uh, being that number two option. Obviously, the Chiefs were giving a lot of attention to Stefan Diggs, which allowed these other receivers to have opportunities. And, and the one that really rose to the occasion was Gabriel Davis. And, and Davis was phenomenal once he started receiving opportunities this season. It was mostly in the red zone early on, but – he, he showed that he could get behind the secondary. He he's, has that deceiving speed. Uh, he can make great plays along the sidelines. I know it wasn't a catch tonight, uh, but the, the footwork that he had on that one sideline throw where he unfortunately just bobbled it right before uh, it would be, it was ruled a, it would have been ruled a complete catch if not. He, he can do a little bit of everything. So you feel good about that. You feel good about having Diggs and Gabriel Davis. But then after that, there's a lot of questions, like you said, Matt. Uh, Manuel Sanders is not kind of, you know, he, he's pretty much come out and said that this was going to be his last rodeo. So I wouldn't be surprised at all to see him retire. Cole Beasley on and off the field had a little bit of a, a rough season after being an all pro one year ago. Whether the Bills want to bring him back in, time will tell on that matter. And then Isaiah McKenzie had a lot of fans. I, I quote tweeted your article, which again, fantastic Bills Mafia. Check it out if you haven't already. I said that I thought Dable would probably want to bring him with him wherever he goes. And I saw someone in the comments say, well, if he goes to the Giants, they have Kadarius Tony, which is true, but you can never have enough weapons in an offense. And and if he thinks you can utilize Isaiah McKenzie and also have Tony and these other players, I I think he wouldn't hesitate to do that. To your point, Tony's had a year this year that looks a lot like what Paris Campbell's has looked like the last couple. And those guys that are very small and tend to get binged up a lot, you know, Isaiah McKenzie, you could say what you want about him. He's been pretty durable, even at his size. Yeah, so he could go. And uh, for some people said, well, why would the Bills let him walk? And it's not a matter of letting him walk. If I'm Isaiah McKenzie, I don't know if I want to come back to this Sean McDermott team because of the way he's he was pulled off of the kick return and the punt return duties and said, you know, I, we don't trust him uh, in that role. And that's fine. You don't have to trust him, but I wouldn't necessarily come out and, and say that either. And you make him inactive to try to prove a point and you're taking away from your offense. This offense really started clicking when Isaiah McKenzie got involved, when you had him lined up in the backfield, when you were moving him in motion, getting creative with him. And for everyone in the comments saying he's replaceable. Yes, he is replaceable. Every, almost every player uh, minus a Josh Allen and a Stefan Diggs and, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Those special players in this league are replaceable in some way, shape, or form. The Bills could find a burner in free agency or in the draft at 100%. I'm not denying that. But they also have to start thinking, what are we going to do? Because all of a sudden, this five-deep, six-deep offense that you have in terms of pass catchers, and that's including Dawson Knox, it's kind of getting potentially cut in half. And if McKenzie doesn't want to return, that's just another hole you have to fill. So... We, we talked about this, the, the band's being broken up. I would be stunned if Brian Dable is not hired by either the Giants uh, or the Dolphins because, listen, both teams should have interest in him just in general based on what he's done with Josh Allen. But 
this is a, a Bills team that scored at will this postseason. He, he, the tape from this postseason alone should be enough for him to get a job. And if you're the Giants and you think that he can maybe salvage Daniel Jones or see what he can do with him in one year, it's worth it for that matter. And if not, you know, Joe Shane's not going to get rid of Dable anytime soon. They could then figure out who they want to draft and bring in that next quarterback. The the Dolphins obviously link there because he's worked with Tua. He's going to be a guy that's highly sought after, and I would not be surprised if in the next 48, 72 hours, he's officially out the door and hired elsewhere because now that the Bills season is over, he can get hired. It's going to be probably a similar theme. We talked to Brandon Bean over the course uh, and Sean McDermott over the course of the next 48 hours of, you know, what those conversations were like last year. And some of the things that, you know, some of the way things transpired this year with guys that were just misses and, and things that, you know, Mario Addison, for as much, much as you say about him, he ends up leading the team in sacks. And I think at times provided what I think they wanted him to. I think Mario Addison's season looks much better if more people around him produce. You know, if Jerry Hughes maybe produces a little bit more, um, if Vernon Butler do- isn't forced to be a healthy scratch in the biggest game of the year because you just can't get him on the field. And instead, you're you're rolling with, uh, you know, uh, uh, other players at that spot. I mean, Effie Obata has had a really good season, and I think he's somebody that you want to try to think about bringing back. Or maybe you don't want to think about bringing him back because you want to try to upgrade and then lean on your youth. These are all the kinds of things that you got to figure out because – the approach that they took in the offseason last year, I think you have to say at this stage, didn't work. And now they have to reimagine what it's going to look like. It's not going to come from the draft. I don't think that we can sit here in May, Ryan, and say the Bills drafted another defensive end high in the draft, and that's going to be the answer to figuring out the Mahomes puzzle. <laughs> no, absolutely not. Uh, maybe it's a cornerback with, with some speed to try to offset some of the speed that Kansas City has. But again, cornerback, that's another position that takes time to develop. It's very rare that you get these players that come in day one, especially late in the first round uh, and can start and don't miss a beat and can help you close that gap. So no matter what position the Bills go to, especially if it's on the defense side of the ball, I don't think you can expect that instant impact. They have to be smart. They have to be savvy about the free agent additions that they make. I know that I think they're at about $6 million, $7 million in cap space. And obviously that can be manipulated and people can, players will get released. Money can get moved around. So I'm not too concerned about that right now. This isn't a Tennessee Titans situation who they're really against the cap uh, and going to face some, some issues going forward. The, the bills can still move around and Brandon Bean's been very good in that regard, but, it's going to be in free agency. It's going to be finding one or two difference makers or via trade, find someone that maybe is ready to part ways with their respective team. Find someone that uh, wasn't a good fit with where they currently were. And maybe they get released this off season because there's going to be some good players that get released as cap casualties as well. So the bills have to go in, go in with a great plan this off season in terms of who are some guys that we can target in free agency or if they become available to, to replace who who's leaving, who's walking out the door and who can help us close that gap. Because listen, the offense closed the gap this year. Josh Allen closed the gap this year, but the bills still fell short and that falls on the shoulders of this defense uh, that, you know, that allowed 42 points that didn't give Josh Allen a chance to get the ball in his hands in overtime. Uh, that never just didn't have any answers tonight whatsoever. So 
Obviously, it's that side of the ball that needs to be addressed, but the Bills also can't just neglect the offense, knowing full well that teams will adjust and you've got to keep adding more weapons to that side of the ball as well. Thank you again to everybody out there, uh, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter, watching the show live. We appreciate you. Hit that like button for us. Subscribe as well. We're going to have you guys covered throughout the offseason. There is so much to cover from now until training camp breaks in July, and I'm so excited to be on that journey with who I will go to bat for any day of the week, the best fan base in all of sports, Bill's Mafia. Uh, final thought, Ryan Sal, we're going to get out of here. Yeah, final thought, Bills Mafia, NFL is a year-round sport, so I know you know this year ended on the field in a heartbreaking fashion, but stick with us, Shout Buffalo Football Podcast, uh, nyupsyracuse.com. We're going to have you covered January, February, March, all the way up till the draft, and then beyond once we get into uh, OTAs, training camp, you name it, we will have you covered. Thank you so much for all your support. And also, cheap plug, um, I've been really uh... – Grinding this the last couple of days. There's a couple of good stories up at Syracuse.com right now. I think that you guys will enjoy them. Uh, the Isaiah McKenzie, Brian Dable one, I think is definitely worth your time. Uh, hearing Isaiah McKenzie, you know, kind of open up about Brian Dable a little bit. I just think it's worth, you know, reading if you're an Isaiah McKenzie fan. Uh, and I think he's the probably the most popular guy in the Bills locker room. I think you'll enjoy. And then also I did a story on LaShawn German, uh, Warlock6 on Twitter. Go check that out. Uh, he is the, one of the most generous people I've ever met. He bought tickets for six Bills fans, and one of them, he even bought the airfare to fly him out to watch this game here today. Uh, I caught up with him in his hotel this morning, put together a story that's up at the site as well. Uh, I appreciate you guys always uh, supporting everything that we do. If you're hosting a large party, check out Tops' huge selection of party platters for a delicious, effortless, affordable, no-stress way, no way to impress. For complete details, stop by their carryout cafe, or visit topsmarkets.com slash fantasy football. We are out of here. We will see you in a couple of days. We're going to have to put a bow on this thing a little bit more big picture. We'll probably talk to Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott in the next couple of days. When we do, we'll be back with another episode of Shout, and then we'll probably take a little bit of a break. Uh, we'll see. We'll see where we're at. But we're appreciative of you guys as always. Take care. Have a great night. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot.